0: Searchlight are contributing to our weekend this weekend. You know the story of the prodigal son. You know that story. Imagine that that story took place in England in the 1930s, and imagine that the elder brother actually became or was the elder sister in that story. Bit of fun with this story, but a powerful truth. Would you give an outrageous welcome to Searchlight Theatre Company?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the story of the prodigal son.
2: Hurry, hurry, hurry. Bring the best clothes and put them on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and go and get the prize calf and kill it. We're going to have a feast tonight. That
1: becomes at the end. That's
3: the end. What? That's the end. Not now. (laughs) No. I'm so sorry. Thank you. So that was how it ended. Now to how it began.
1: Oh, do we really have to?
3: Uh, Yes, it is the story.
1: I know it is, but we've all heard it a hundred times before. At least we've heard your version of it anyhow.
3: What's that supposed to mean?
1: Well, what about the elder sister? She got a bit of a raw deal, didn't she?
3: Yes, she did, because she was an elder brother and he was quite a minor character.
1: Well, now it's an elder sister, and she's a very major character. Now, shall we begin?
3: There once was a man who had two sons. <clears throat> one of each. Yes, one of each, dad. One of each. Dad. One of each. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Bring
2: the best clothes and put them on him. No, put a no, ring on his finger end. and shoes on his feet. And go and get the prize calf and get but it. We're going to have a feast tonight. No, no, that's the end. The, the end. end? That's the end. Not now. No. no.
3: Nobody's noticed, carry on. (laughs) One day the son came to his father and said, Puppy, I just wondered if I could have some of that inheritance that you promised me.
2: if you want the money now, if you insist... Take it with my blessing. Oh, thank you so much, a generous (laughs) Right,
1: that's the end of your version. The truth, ladies and gentlemen, went a little bit more like this. Daddy? Yes? Have you seen your will recently? My
2: will? Yes,
1: I saw Gary with something earlier. I think he may have stolen it from your bureau. Stolen it? Yes, there he is. Go and ask him.
2: Gary, have you seen my will recently? Your will recently? Yes, my will recently. Your will? My will. Recently? Yes,
3: Yes, I have. I'm very generous it is too, old man. Quick question, yes. when do I get to see the hundred and fifty thou? Well, you don't get the money until I die, of course. Oh, but that could be for some time, Daddy. And I've got things to do, people to see, and oh, unless, of course, you were to have a little accident. Accident. I mean? Know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> not long
1: after... The son
3: left home...
1: And squandered his money... In
3: reckless living. <coughs> 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 uh, meanwhile, <coughs> back at <coughs> home... Whoa, <coughs> I am just enjoying my reckless living to the tune of the Mission Impossible theme.
1: Well, tough. They want to hear what happened to the elder sister. Meanwhile, the elder sister was helping her father.
2: Oh, thank you, my dear. I'm not doing very well with the crossword today. Oh. Let me see if you can help. Uh, six down. Hard of hearing, four letters. Death. Pardon?
1: Deaf, Daddy.
2: You're not told to across my knee, you know, young lady. Now, 17 down, six letters. Some like it hot from Brazil. Coffee. That'd be nice if you make it in. I'm not getting anywhere with this crossword, I tell you.
1: Daddy, why don't you let me fill it in for you like I always do and then you can put your name to it? Oh, would you,
2: my dear? They're yes. giving away a Spider-Man badge this week as well. How <laughs> kind. <laughs> Oh, Patricia, Patricia, what would I do without you?
1: Oh, Daddy, you're not thinking about Gary again, are you?
2: Oh, Gary, when am I not thinking about him, my dear? I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about him. I hear the telephone and expect it to be him. I go for a walk to the end of the path and look out to see if I can see him. I can't sleep at night worrying about my son.
1: Daddy, I keep telling you, he's got what he wanted, your money. What about me? I'm here, aren't I? I do your chores for you, I look after you. What about me?
2: But Patricia, my dear, you're still here now, aren't you? How about the coffee? Well, I wasn't to know any of that,
3: was I?
1: Oh, no, you were too busy suffering from reckless living. It must have been awful.
3: Well, there were a few compensations. Hmm. I there. But look, I did end up feeding pigs.
1: Just your sort of company, I should imagine.
3: (laughs) The son decided to return home and beg his father's forgiveness. And when he was still a long way off...
1: I saw him. Yes, it was me. I saw him and I said, Now, Daddy, I don't want you to get too excited, but I think there's somebody coming up the garden path. Now, I think the best thing that we can do is to shut all the curtains and pretend we're not in (laughs) here. Who is it? I don't know. I think it might be... Gary. Oh, Gary!
3: La-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. Oh,
2: father! Yes, come on, where are you? Oh, there you are. oh welcome home, son. Oh, hurry, hurry, hurry! Bring the best clothes and put them on him. Put (laughs) a ring on his finger. And And the rest you all know. (laughs) Oh, you're ruining the best bit. Yes, I rather like the bit where I say, we're going to have a feast tonight. I
1: know, but I mean, is it a fair ending? I mean, he goes off, he gets the money, he squanders the lot, and then he comes home and you treat him like visiting royalty and throw a great party and kill a fatted car for him. While I was here going out of my mind with boredom looking after you, and all I'm asking is, is it fair? Doesn't sound
2: fair. I, 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 I don't suppose it is when no. you put it like that. I've never really thought about it that way.
1: Especially as you're supposed to be God, representing God, oh, and I mm. thought he was supposed to be just.
2: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought he was supposed to be, um, generous.
4: Wonderful, what a wonderful. Would you just say thanks one more time to Searchlight Theater? They're amazing. And uh, again, tonight will be a special time with them and Faith in the Fog and Pastor Jeff. It's going to be filled with a lot of great memories, I hope. I so hope you'll be able to make it. Hey, you know we're in this series I like giving, but before we jump into that, um, I just got to tell you something that's good news and it's not a surprise today but it was a surprise last night for Pastor Jeff and, and something happened in the UK, United Kingdom where the Lucases are from. They, have, uh, the, they just had the award, the 2017 Author of the Year Award given by the Eden UK. It's the largest book store or uh, largest Christian book supplier in the UK. Authors were the likes of Tim Keller, Max Lucado, Joyce Meyer, Sarah Young—guess who won best author for 2017? Pastor Jeffrey Lucas. It's pretty awesome. So we're proud of you, and we're thankful for you. Thank you. It's—it's a great thing, and uh, we we love you. We're proud of you. Pretty cool. Oh, that was the wrong envelope. Sorry. No. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. He won. That was good. I just thought of that just yeah, that now. We good, haven't done buddy. that all weekend. Yeah, good. We we are we are talking about generosity today. This whole series I like giving is is kind of a a fun way. Of talking about something super serious. And we've often tagged our church with a tagline of fun church, serious mission. Because we do a lot of fun things. We call this our living room. We talk about real life. But the reality is what we do and why we exist really matters on this earth and the kingdom of God. And so I just think it's important for us to pay attention to what it means. So I looked it up. I looked up you know, generosity. So many words I'm not even going to read them all. Let me just read a few. Lavishness open-handedness, unselfishness, kindness, benevolence, big-heartedness, abundance, plentifulness, lavishness. It goes on and on. It's just that idea that it's just more than anyone would ever dream. It's just bigger. It's, it's just a bunch of stuff. And then I think about the, the ripple effect that we're already feeling last week when uh, Brad Formsma was here with his son, Drew, if you guys weren't here, watch it online. It's, it's an amazing weekend, and it, it did. It started something in our community. One of our pastors here at Timberline went to breakfast last Monday morning after the weekend on I Like Giving. And a large restaurant came in, sat down, and there was a lady in the booth next to them. And the waitress came up and said, okay, I've gotta explain this, it's crazy. She said, I do not have any idea what is going on in this town right now, but yesterday, that would be Sunday, last Sunday, everybody in here was buying everyone else's meal. (laughs) She said, it's crazy, we've never seen anything like it. She said, as a matter of fact, we ended the day on Sunday night with a $12 credit toward the restaurant, and we've gotta balance our books, so this is gonna be applied to your breakfast today. I I love this kind of stuff. What's really amazing, too,
0: is there's a sense in which this is nothing new. This is exactly how the early church changed their world. You see, they had no internet, no Facebook. They had no printing presses, no telecommunications. Yes, they had some of the miraculous among them, but if we just think it was that that got the world's attention, we're wrong. You see, they confronted a culture, the culture of their day, with a a kind of an invasion of generosity. Back then in the first century, the cultural norm was something called liberatis. Liberatis went like this. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll be generous to you if ultimately there's going to be some payback. That worked really well unless you had nothing to pay back with, like the widows or the orphans. And so the early church came into existence and they shattered that cultural expectation, not just among themselves, but to their communities. Hmm. And they paid big. They, in plague-ridden cities where people were contagious, the Christians stayed behind to care for the dying at great personal risk. And as a result of that they were absolutely impossible to ignore and it was speaking to that attitude that caused the Apostle Paul to write these words to the church in Corinth 2nd Corinthians 9 he says remember this a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now Paul has been speaking broadly about generosity and now it seems he is narrowing the focus because he's talking about local church giving and And we've we've both agreed and our team has agreed in talking about generosity this is not a sneaky way to just talk no. about church giving but we would be evading our responsibility as pastors if we didn't realize that that is part of this deal. And so here Paul is saying, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need, then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You see, in that brief passage, Paul is actually referring back to three Old Testament scriptures. Mm -hmm. That shows us, first of all, that giving is biblical. Generosity is biblical. He's quoting Proverbs 22.9, God blesses a cheerful giver in the Greek translation. He's also showing us that generosity is right. This is not just niceness, Christian do-goodism. Yeah. Yeah. He's pointing us back to Psalm 112.9, which talks about righteousness. What is righteousness, biblically? It's when it's something is done right, God's way. And then also there's an element in which Paul is pointing us to heaven because he is quoting Isaiah 55 which speaks about what the earth will be like when Messiah comes. He's pointing us to the second coming of Jesus and ultimately to heaven. He's saying hey Give your community a foretaste of what everything will be like when Jesus comes back and everything is totally under his control. And so this whole generosity thing, this is
4: profoundly biblical and he points us in that direction. There are are four things in the back of your program that I'd love for you just to write down, follow along. They're they're really simple, but they're kind of profound in the context of what we're talking about. So take a moment and they're all kind of what generosity is. And so the first thing I want you to write down is this. Generosity delights our generous Father, God. Generosity delights our generous Father, God. Some of you could finish this verse. For God so loved the world. Yeah, think about that. He loved, so he what? Gave. Anytime you read God, love, he's usually giving something. There's a a generous, it's the nature of God. And that's that's why when we are generous, it makes God smile. It makes him happy. Why? Because he sees his kids with his traits. You ever watch your kids do a certain thing and you go, wow, that's cool. That's that's Mama. That's Daddy. That God smiles because He sees us being generous, and quite honestly, generosity usually makes everybody happy. It just it just kind of lights up the room. As a matter of fact, again, another story. Last Saturday night, this was the first the first uh, message of our weekend on I like giving. So Brad Formsma, our guest speaker, his son Drew, they were here, and so uh, we had asked if if we could take them to dinner, me and my wife Bonnie, and if Jeff and Kay could go and if Dick and Ruth both could go because they've known each other for quite a few years. So we, we picked a, a nice restaurant, nothing crazy, but nice, a full sit-down, full meal, and we were having a blast. And we were eating, and I had told the waitress, I said, hey, give me the check at the end, and, and everything's good. So she, she did. At the very end, she comes up and she says to me, she was giddy, right? Yeah. She was kind of jumping up and down like this, and she had all this expression, and she said, somebody must really like you. And I looked at my wife, <laughs> and, 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 and I said, well, she does. No, no, she said, someone has paid for your bill. And it was not an inexpensive bill. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, someone in the restaurant. And I said, who? Did you, can you get a name off a credit card? And she said, they paid with cash, and they already left. And, and they left a note. I've been carrying this note around in my pocket, and I think I, I took a picture of it. It's on the screen. Your message hit home. Happy face. Enjoy your dinner. We like giving also. God bless. I don't know who you are, <laughs> but I can tell you where I'm having lunch today if you'd like to know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: that was so
4: bad. I shouldn't have said that.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about writing a new book called "I Like Getting." How would that go? <laughs> that would be- That would be good.
4: Oh, it's crazy.
0: We were thinking earlier with Searchlight Theatre Company about the story of the father and the prodigal son. I thought God was generous. And that picture there is of the father who goes running out to give. Now, in that culture... Uh, a man would never run. First of all, it was impractical. He had a long cloak that went all the way down to his toes, and so that would be awkward. He couldn't lift the cloak; that would be indiscreet. In fact, the Pharisee—I'm yeah. not making this up—the Pharisees <laughs> taught that if a man discovered a sparrow beneath his cloak, the bird, sparrow, sparrow, yeah.
4: <laughs> I just want yeah yeah, I get to be clear. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, uh, he, he had to leave it there for the whole of the Sabbath, which would be awkward, wouldn't it? You're standing there in church like, what's the matter with you, dude? i got a sparrow in my shorts. You know, what would, what would that be? But, let's keep going. Yeah, let's keep going. But what's going on here is that the father is breaking the protocols. Yeah. And he runs out fat and calf. You'd only do that for 200 guests. Mm-hmm. Shoes, only sons wore shoes, never slaves. A ring, signet ring, stamp of authority on documents. A cloak for a boy who's filthy from the pig pen. You see, what's going on here? This comes back again to the nature of God. When we are generous, we are like that God of ours, our Father. Well, the second thing is this, that generosity calls for heart examination and possibly surgery heart examination, and possibly surgery. Jesus taught that generosity is about heart and not just behavior. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He is saying there, perhaps, the place of investment, the place of priority of our resources, reveals the commitment of the heart. And Jesus tellingly also taught that It's specifically money, it's stuff that wants to compete with God for our worship. Now, that's a really fascinating insight. Jesus said, Matthew 6, you can't love God and mammon, stuff, money. When you switch over to the Apostle Paul's teaching, you can summarize it like this. Paul is saying, he's not saying that money or riches, and by the way, comparative to the rest of the world, the majority of the world we are all rich whatever our challenge is but Paul says he's not saying that money is wrong he says effectively two things he says don't be arrogant about it and don't make it your primary source your source of hope oh and, and by the way I think Paul dispels the idea that if we just have more and more and more and more and more that will that will mean we'll never be anxious because he says don't put your trust in riches you'd think if you had riches that anxiety would be dispelled but he's saying no it's not that way it might be that some heart surgery is needed some of us are bruised in this area we we gave and someone exploited us they were they weren't grateful they took us it might be that The TV preacher told us that if we sent him or her a hundred bucks, all our problems would go away, and it didn't work out that way because it's a false promise. It might be that there's some woundedness that we need to ask God to help us in. John Bonnell says this, If we first give ourselves to the Lord, all other giving
4: is easy. Wow. You know what I've done? I Coming into a series like this, and we we plan these things out for months, and so we have time to examine our hearts and really talk about it. And and I've I've really laid my heart afresh and anew on an altar and say, God, show me my blind spots. Like really help me to see because Bonnie and I we're, we're tithers. We give to missions. We give to building funds. We love giving, but it can also just become a habit. And and I I, th- I wonder if God's wanting to say, Hey Northrop, I want to I want to examine. I had someone say one time and you've heard it said if you give me if if I could get your calendar and your checkbook I could tell you what you love treasure heart and so I'm asking you and me and all of us to take a fresh look to say God show us show us if we really are givers show us if this is real or if if this is just kind of we think we are or we're going to, but we're not sure, our culture pushes us constantly toward selfishness. One of the first words a kid learns is mine, mine, mine. And they don't like to share. It's our nature. Let's go to number three. The third thing in your outline, and I really love this because it says it all. Generosity is a matter of daily predetermined choices, that can lead to spontaneity. Generosity is a matter of daily predetermined choices. That's the discipline, the responsibility, that suddenly now, because I have these in my life, it can lead to me seeing a moment of opportunity to be generous, spontaneity. Um, what does that mean? You know, What are some of the reasons that we give? Let's talk for a second about why we pay money or why we give money. Uh, guilt is one of the reasons that we often give money. How many of you have given that a guilt before? I have. And I, I've learned that when I do that later, it, it grows resentment in me. And that's not godly. And so pay attention. Don't give out a guilt. Work that out before you, you give. And pay attention to why you're giving. Sometimes we pay, and it's not giving.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we, they say two things are certain. This is not a biblical statement, but it's a truism. Two things are certain, death and taxes,
4: taxes. So we, we pay. And you're paying them. See, that's not giving out of guilt because the little puppy commercials you see, you know, when you're just wanting to change the channel because it's so awful. It's because you're going to go to jail if you don't pay them. Another reason I give is responsibility. There are organizations I belong to that I feel like I, if I'm a part of this, I should give to this. That's not guilt, it's responsibility. There's and then there's
0: the, there's the house payment and there's the car payment and utilities,
4: all of that. And that's obligation. Yeah. I've signed up for that. I want to do that. Then there's purpose. You know, the kid's college. I want to help with that. And now we have grandkids, and they can take care of that. But um, no. (laughs) That's good.
0: Loving your family and friends. It compels us to to give sacrificially.
4: Um, Sometimes you've given that a need. So a missionary is here, and they have a need. And you go, and I wasn't planning on this today. I don't have a bunch of extra money, but I'm going to be a part of of this solution. Why? Because it matters. Let's talk for just a second about the whole tithing thing because it it gets sticky in churches when you say the Malachi passage, tithe, you know, will a man rob God? And it basically is fear. It's like you are robbing from God if you're not giving 10% of your income to the storehouse, which is the local church. So step it up, get on with it. There's more to it than just that legalistic approach in terms of percentage giving. Yeah, I have a problem when
0: preachers use selectively use the Old Testament to make a point we don't dip in and out of the Old Testament like that what we do see we see an example of giving in the Old Testament and then what we see in the New Testament is uh, the priority of giving uh, which is sacrificial percentage-based giving yes that's there and 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 progressive giving as well where we can go on an adventure of giving. Randy Orcorn has said, God blesses me not just to raise my standard of living, yeah. but to raise my standard of giving. That's a powerful statement. But all of this must lead us to action. Have you, you you've ever written a post-dated check? You, know, you, you say, look, I, I, here's, the, here's the check, but if you could cash it in 27 years, I'd be grateful. <laughs> that would be helpful. <laughs> it's possible to sign a post-dated commitment where you say I believe that yeah I'll get round to that Mm -hmm. one day and we think because we believe it that we've done it and actually when we look in scripture we see we're called to action Karl Barth talks about evil in action it's not what we just do sometimes it's what we don't do well the last thing is this in the in your outline there number four Generosity is a joy and a privilege and it should be expressed happily. The word happily it comes from the Greek word hilarities which means hilariously. God doesn't want us to be miseries as we give. Now here's something about that though. I've had people say to me, "Look, I can't give happily and God loves happy givers, so I won't give. I want to say give us a misery." <laughs> you know, give and be sad about it, and then work your way towards being happy. That's right. That is probably the better way forward. That should not prohibit our going on the adventure of giving. And we know this. We know from a survey called the paradox of generosity, giving we receive, grasping we lose. It is a proven, empirically proven fact that joy comes from generosity, emotional health, comes from generosity we shouldn't be surprised at that because proverbs chapter 11 verse 25 it's thousands of years before the survey it says a generous person will prosper listen to this whoever refreshes others will be refreshed generous living not just a brief couple of weeks because we're in this series but by
4: way of a lifestyle it produces emotional happiness i just want to say uh I think it was five or six years ago God took me on a little journey about this and I, I actually, I spoke a message called Palms Up Living. And I have a little study in my house and, and I go in there and for two years when I would go in there and sit in my chair with my coffee in the morning, I would put my palms up and, and look at them just like this. And I did it for a, quite a bit of time, for two years, and I would say, God, what have you put in my hand to re, to be responsible for today? Because I'm not, I'm not the owner. I will never do this. It's God's. My wife, our children, Timberline Church, my responsibilities. I steward all of those things. If I know I'm the steward, not the owner, it takes all the pressure off of me because I don't own the shirt on my back. I'm stewarding everything that is God's. Well, then that gives me a lot more options than to fall into a trap where I have to feel like I'm the owner. This uh, This video is kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, if we want to see some tears of joy, some laughter, some celebration, let's take the example of this fabulous story we're about to watch.
5: I had an accident, and my hip was broken in so many pieces. I have two rods in my head.
6: She's an angel among us. If you watch her in the bread company, everyone comes in to
5: see Catherine. You know, we sell the bread, but I feel like there are some people who specifically come with prayer requests and uh, I go pray for them.
6: One day when we were sharing she said she was in need of a different car, that her car was needing expensive repairs.
5: I had been saving money, but uh, I knew it wasn't enough, so I knew I would take a few years to save for it.
6: So a couple of months later, I went in and I said, Catherine, how's your car fund coming? And she said, I gave it all away. And I looked at her and And she said there was a widow in need, and I gave her the $5,000.
5: I struggled a lot when I gave that money. And uh, I said, I feel okay, but uh, do you think I did the right thing? I mean, I cannot give what I don't have, so I just gave what I had.
6: I was shocked. And so I come home and I tell Pete that we needed to help Catherine with her car fund. He looked at me and he said, no, I think we need to buy Catherine a car. And I said, okay, great. Pete called Scott and said, do you know Catherine at Great Harvest? And he said, yes, he did. Pete said, well, we'd like to buy her a car. He asked Pete, do you want to use your new car? And it just hit him right in the face. Why would he ask me that? Of course I would want a used car. That's good enough. He just paused for a moment and he said, I want a new car. And He said it was silent on the phone for a few seconds. And Scott said, whoa, I want to help. And so he pitched in some
5: So she came to the bakery, and uh, she asked me, if you were to buy a car, what kind of a car would you like? I said, Debbie, I'm not really planning to buy a car, but she said, oh, just tell me. And she said, I'd like a
6: SUV cruise control. And she said, I'd like a light color. And we called Scott, and he said, I think I've got the perfect car. So Pete said, can we deliver it tomorrow? So we have the bread company owner and his family, Scott and his family and our family. And Catherine sees us all coming in and she's just all excited to
5: see everyone. And uh, I went to give them hugs and I said, what's Pete doing here? I didn't have the the biggest idea. When I went out,
6: And so we walked her over to the car. We said, Catherine, this is your new car.
5: So I said, for me, this is for me? I said, well, I knew God had many cars, but I didn't know he had a new one for me. So God had new cars? We all stood there in tears
6: as we saw the joy on Catherine's face. And we got to be a part of it. And the joy of that was unbelievable.
5: It felt so right. It was such an excitement to drive
6: it. We told Catherine that we would like this to be confidential. But I kept running into people who would say, I heard what you did for Catherine. It wasn't even us, it was Catherine. It all started with Catherine, giving of what she had to a widow to help her, and it just continues on. Generosity begets generosity.
5: We don't give in order to receive. We give because it's the nature of Jesus Christ. He gave us his life. So we, we have the, the DNA of Jesus Christ of giving. Yeah, so this is one story I would never forget in my life.
0: Not only is that beautiful, but you notice she was—I'm glad she didn't worship with two hands while she was driving. That's all I'm—that's all I'm saying.
4: <sighs> Let's pray together, Lord. I—I I know that not all of us in this room can give a car. we can all have awareness we can all start somewhere with time talent and treasure and this is your DNA we are your sons and daughters and that makes you happy would you somehow take out bitterness and frustration and anger and angst worry fret drop generosity in our hearts and minds. With heads bowed in here, I just, two thoughts I had when I was thinking about prayer time here, that I want you to pray with me. God, show me myself. Just say that right now. Just say it to him. God, show me myself. not to feel ashamed or embarrassed, but to really have a reality of, is your DNA really in me at this level? And the second part is, God, show me others. Show me others. Do I see them? Do I care about them? This could change the world. Could certainly change Northern Colorado. Lord, I thank you for these opportunities we have to just grow a little closer to you and to try to be a little more like you in moments like this. We offer our lives and our future and our hopes and our dreams make us a part of someone else's dreams because we've learned to like giving. Time, talent, and treasure. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I love you guys. I'm thankful for you. and. Did the rapture take place and Jeff's the only one that's gone? (laughs)